Welcome to the UAlbany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll. With me today is Evelina Mistek, a forensic scientist and PhD student in the University at Albany's Department of Chemistry. She is researching a radiation detection technique known as Raman spectroscopy that could help CSIs collect and preserve trace evidence. Homicide investigators were at work until 4 o'clock this morning, trying to figure out what led to the victim's death. Here behind me, we can still see a large pool of blood that has left over evidence from that crime scene. You can see behind me here in the pre-dawn blackness a very active crime scene. Police combing through the suspect's car. Hair, blood, prints, shoes, clothes. Where is the evidence? Maybe we could begin with a layman's definition of Raman spectroscopy and something about how practically it works. Uh, sure. Um, so actually, we are working with different vibrational spectroscopic techniques. So that's Raman spectroscopy as well as attenuated total reflection Fourier transfer transform infrared spectroscopy, known also as ATR FTAR spectroscopy. And those techniques um, actually apply light, um, more specific photons of light in order to vibrate the molecules that are within the materials and they give the very unique uh, characterization of the sample based on the chemical and biochemical composition of the material that it's been analyzed. Okay, so is it essentially looking at the vibrations within a sample and analyzing that or how else would you describe the process? So yes, it's actually based on the vibration that the energy of the photon gave to the molecule and then those vibrations can be visible in the spectrum that is created as a result of the analysis. So how can this be used in the context of solving and prosecuting crimes? So since um, vibrational spectroscopic techniques uh, give very specific and very unique signature of each individual sample, uh, there is no two samples that will give the same signature, the same spectrum. That's why once we have different samples um, to be analyzed, we actually get different um, spectra, different signatures of those samples, which are very specific, and they are the signatures of the specific samples. So it's almost like, a, it sounds like a fingerprint is and everyone's is different. Yes, exactly. That's, that's basically it. So uh, you describe in your study the array of samples that can be analyzed with Raman spectroscopy. You uh, mentioned substances uh, like nail polish. It can be hair, or blood, or drugs. So how is it that this technique works on so many different types of trace evidence? Um, so since this technique is very specific, um, due, due to the unique spectrum which is created based on the chemical or biochemical composition of the sample, um, the signatures will be very unique. And let me just give you examples since the advantages of this technique, especially the ATR, FTR spectroscopy, has been already discovered for the forensic applications. And that technique has been already used for several type of analysis, um, analysis types. For example, for controlled substances, as well as fibers and paint analysis. So the idea is that, um, maybe let me tell you the example. When we have controlled substance and there was a questioned powder on, just on the crime scene, um, and this substance can be analyzed and it's going to have different signature than 
anything else, let's say, if that could have been flour. That's why we can simply distinguish between different substances. Also for paint analysis, if let's say there was a hit and run incident and we have a sample, the paint chip, um, that has been um, collected from the crime scene, its chemical composition can be checked and it can be compared to the chemical composition of the paint chip that was taken from the suspect car. And then mm. that chemical composition can be then compared and we can see whether or not the two paint chips could have had the same origin. And so is this all that is done on the lab or is any of this, can this be analyzed on site? Um, so that's actually the ultimate goal. Um, I believe for now there's mostly everything done in the lab, but um, there are already portable or even handheld instruments, so devices as big as your um, cell phone, that can wow. be brought to the crime scene. And that is actually great advantage because the actual analysis is really quick. It's the matter of seconds to obtain the spectrum. That's why having the device that can be sensitive enough and the entire analysis that could be uh, performed at the crime scene would be very beneficial and would save time, as well as also could determine what type of evidence should be actually collected from the crime scene for further analysis. So that could definitely save money as well for forensic investigators. Would you go into what your colleagues are working on in the lab as far as analyzing bodily fluids? So in uh, Dr. Letnev's research lab, we are actually working to develop the technique for identification and analysis of body fluids for forensic purposes. And the goal is actually to develop the technique that would be non-destructive sample, that would be um, rapid, that would be universal for all of them, and that could actually be performed on scene with statistical confidence. That is very important. And it is actually very important that in our laboratory, we actually stay in close collaboration with New York State Police in order to get advice and discuss all problems. And in our research, we actually try to address all needs the police or uh, forensic investigators could have at this moment. That's why um, we are actually working. We are trying to address everything they might have need and um, they might have find beneficial for future forensic research, forensic applications uh, at the crime scene. Oh, that's pretty amazing that so much information can be garnered just from a tiny speck of a sample that's found on a crime scene. Um, well, this is a, such a specialized field. I'm, I'm interested to know how you first got interested in it and what led you to the particular research project you're on right now. Um, so I was always um, interested in forensic, um, forensic work and forensic research, and I always wanted to work in forensic lab since it seems to be more interesting than any lab work. <laughs> and um, when I had a chance to pick a place for my internship during the undergraduate program, I decided to do it in forensics and my desire was to actually come all the way to United States to do it in order to get the best possible education. So I came all the way from Poland to perform my research in United States and I found Dr. Letnev's research lab as a perfect place for me, especially that there's so much that I can learn about current forensic practices as well as actually work on new development of um, different applications of different uh, methods for forensic analysis. So I found all the research really fascinating and um, when I was undergraduate student I was already working on projects similar to those that PhD students were working on and I published papers um, 
as an undergraduate student, as a first author. So that was very challenging, but it gave me huge experience and I learned a lot from that. So later on, it was really easy decision for me to make and choose the university. So I came back to uh, Dr. Zednev Research Lab for my uh, PhD program. And now I continue working on similar projects. I continue developing new techniques for uh, forensic applications. Um, and it's really fascinating how actually this work is important for real uh, applications. So in our laboratory, we've got few NIJ National Institute of Justice Graduate Research Fellowship. Uh, so far, it's been three students receiving those fellowships mm -hmm. for last couple of years. And um, I just want to mention that there's only about 20 fellowships that are given um, every year to entire uh, United States. And you guys have three of them. <laughs> so it's been already three given for last few years and um, including myself. So it shows how important uh, the research and uh, the, the, the work that has been done in our lab actually is for forensic community. Cool. And um, it's neat to hear about you collaborating with the New York State Police as well. That must be um, assuring that you're working on the problems that matter and really fitting their needs of you know, what, they, what they need to know when they get to a crime scene. Yes, that's right. And it's, it's really fascinating and it's exciting that we actually can feel how, what they need and we can address that and work on it more and develop something new that could actually potentially be used in near future. Very cool. Well, can you share any moments or epiphanies that perhaps um, surprised you when conducting this research? And can you share any of your project's um, most important or significant findings? Um, so, as I mentioned, I've been kind of faced to a lot of challenges, challenges, and especially when I started in Professor Lednev's research lab as undergraduate student. Um, but then because of all kindness and help from other uh, co-workers side, I was able to perform everything and um, the publications that I've done that I, I um, finished studies for were a great testimony about how actually important the research is and uh, that we are doing a great job in development of something new, something important. Uh, so I think that those moments were, were really um, like significant for my research. And as well as all awards and um, all presentation I can give on national or even international conferences and symposia. So this, that shows the interest of people and the interest of audience on really wide uh, range that I was able to actually present to. Absolutely. So what's next for the field? And more specifically, what are next steps for you as a researcher? Um, so. I'm actually going to apply more of ATR, FTR spectroscopy uh, with chemometrics um, as the analysis uh, for the analysis of body fluids. Uh, so I'm trying to actually critically compare the two techniques right now because we've done a lot of work on Raman spectroscopy and we've proven that actually it, it can help and it's very beneficial for forensic applications. And now I just wanna compare that technique with the, the other technique that we have in the lab uh, with ATR, FTR spectroscopy. So I'm planning to actually uh, continue uh, the research on identification of body fluids, the species identification based on the blood stain, as well as narrow down the information about the human, so the human phenotype profiling. Um, for As the ultimate goal uh, is actually to bring the analysis to the crime scene. So 
there's a little more to do for that, especially that we need to test the portable instruments, so all those instruments that are handheld, and check their sensitivity and evaluate their performance on the samples that would be um, present at the crime scene. And also, uh, it's very important to be able to perform the analysis in situ, meaning that actually we would not have to pick the sample. The sample will be placed at its when deposited at a crime scene. So that would be very beneficial because that could definitely save time, as well as um, save this actually the, the sample for other testing if it's needed. And it, from what I understand, that's a, a big problem where it, when you analyze a sample, then it's kind of rendered useless after that or it's destroyed, but you're working on finding a way where the sample could not be destroyed and that you could find more information from it. Yes, exactly. So um, since we cannot get exactly all information about the donor, sometimes the DNA analysis would be the most beneficial, as we know, especially if we can find a, a match in the database, DNA databases. That's why we can get a lot of information, but we cannot show the exact person using our technology yet. Uh, that's why it's very important to have the technique for gathering information that would be non-destructive in order to have the same sample being subjected, let's say, for DNA profiling. And why is it so that um, often techniques destroy the sample? I mean, why? What is special about Raman spectroscopy that um, is able to analyze without destroying? Uh, so most of the techniques that uh, are currently used for forensic applications uh, for body fluids identification analysis um, actually rely on the application of different chemicals in order to initiate the reaction. So that means that they have to apply some chemicals or reagents on the sample and then they target specific components of the sample and then they can get information whether or not that's the stain, the biological stain that they are looking for. The other problem is that each of those tests are specific for one body fluid. So there's no universal method. And so all that together um, gives some limitations for further use of the sample. Mm. So that's why Raman spectroscopy as actually doesn't destroy the sample because it only uses the light to touch the sample and get information about the chemical composition from inside of it um, is very beneficial. So we can get information, we can identify the body fluid, but we still can use it for other testing. Wow. So um, this research is part of your PhD program. So when do you hope to finish and what's next after graduation for Evelina Mistek? Um, so I'm hoping to finish within next two years. Um, we'll see how it goes and I still didn't think too much about further, uh, further career for myself. I was thinking of going back to Poland and maybe working over there, um, developing some new forensic applications for my um, home country. Um, but maybe I will stay here if there's some possibilities, some new challenges for myself. So um, still didn't make a plan. Well, very cool. Um, well, Evelina, thank you so much for sharing your research. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the UAlbany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll, and that was Evelina Mistek, a forensic scientist and PhD student in UAlbany's Department of Chemistry. You can let us know what you thought of this episode by emailing us at mediarelations at albany.edu, or you can find us on Twitter at UAlbany News.